to think we were, we were alike. I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. Have you ever thought about how in today's society, when people go back and look at any sort of written text that we've written, they go back to things like Twitter and they find all this garbage and they kind of make assumptions about humanity based on that kind of bullshit. Like that will happen when our civilization finally crumbles under its own weight. Yeah. Like, like say like some archeologist, like a thousand years in the future, 2000 years in the future starts digging up the ancient scrolls of Twitter and finds the bullshit they find. Yeah, I used to have a, I had a bit about it, and you can tell it's dated because it was about Honey Boo Boo, and just how it, it was, it was this in-depth story and how it was reflective of our culture, and the premise was hard to sell, like I, I killed with it once and then I just ate shit all the other times, but it was like, advanced civilizations will unearth these videos of this manatee and her cub dancing for quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, will... no, it's it's concerning. It's uh, we're not putting our best foot forward. Let's say it that way. Yeah, and it, well, and I agree. And so when you kind of rifle through all the kipple that is Twitter, you start <laughs> kind of looking at uh, and finding these gems that stick out and just make you that fill you with joy because you just kind of go, "We're so lost. <laughs> we we don't deserve this planet, and we don't deserve to be a species anymore." And part of that leads into one of our segments that we've talked about, which is the trapped update. Is this a trapped update? Trapped update. You're springing it on me. Strah! Yes. Ah! Fucking baby rhinoceros. So trapped update. Um, on April 21st, 2020, a tweet goes out from the trapped official page. It says, if I have to fight and shed blood, every single Trump supporter should be watching. I am fighting for you. Let's do this. I am so ready. Fuck these Bernie bitch left-wing liberal bands. Fuck them. I'm here for you. <laughs> talking about Lord Ezek again? I would not call Lord Ezek a Bernie bitch or nope. a, Scarhead is not a liberal band. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Nope, he is not talking about he is not talking about Lord Ezek. He, he swerved away from that real hard when I think a screwdriver was mailed to his house. Yeah, good good choice on his part. Instead, this is directed at Ice-T. There's a mm. follow-up tweet to this. Twitter is not allowing to tweet this to you all. Every damn attempt. At final level, which is Ice-T's Twitter handle. At final level, Ice-T. You ready to go bare knuckle? You started all of this shit. I didn't want it to be like this. I never tweeted at you, but I will defend my honor to the fucking death. He's in a, he's just he's in his own little little house there, isn't he? Let me let me tell you how happy it makes me th- like just the thought of him getting beat to death over Spotify streams. Like that to me is is fine. And like I try to I try I've been working on this lately where I'm like trying to think of the world in like a kinder way and just be like, "Oh, he needs help." But then I'm like <laughs> then I watch this I'm like, "No, he Somebody needs to hit him with a sock full of doorknobs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so Ice-T responds, and he responds like this. Who is this troll? That's all he says. 
And then he says, he follows up, he goes, dude actually wants to fight me now, LOL, too funny. And then he follows up with, whoever this trap guy is, he doesn't even spell the band's name right, which is fucking brilliant. <laughs> whoever great. this trap guy is, I think his friends should get him help. Do an intervention <laughs> or something, real talk. And to put a stamp on all of it, to kind of put the final word on this, Ice-T, <laughs> he just tweets out, I don't want no problems, I'm a very peaceful guy, and it's a picture of him pointing a gun at a camera. So, here we are. We're in a world now where the singer of Trapped may fist fight Ice-T one day. He's got a fevered ego. He doesn't... He thinks the spotlight is on him. He doesn't understand. He's putting all these other people down. Like, uh, I, you know, when we were originally talking about it with Power Trip and stuff, like, nobody knows your band and stuff. He can't direct that lucidity inward, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, nobody knows about your band. Nobody cares about you. Dude, nobody remembers you except for people who say, remember that dumb song from the mid-2000s? Or I don't even remember when it was from. When did Headstrong come out? It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> really true. what it is. It doesn't is. matter. So, so anyway, I saw – so part of this trapped update was I did want to um, kind of cite an article from uh, a website called motif.com, mo- motifree.com. Uh, and the article is just simply titled this, Coronavirus Update, Trapped Still Sucks. And it's literally half a paragraph, and it said, After nearly drinking myself into a coma, I can confidently conclude that if you play every Trapped song side by side, it just sounds like an extended version of Headstrong. Anyway, that's my Trapped update. I had to I had to provide that for you all just to keep you in the loop about what all the, the current events are. So hopefully the next time um, we come to this Trapped update, you know, maybe somebody's been punched. <laughs> maybe we have an autopsy report for you. <laughs> we, we may very well. We may have a, a mysterious death on our hands at this point in time. The man slowly losing his mind in this front is... of everybody. I wonder if there's a true crime podcast that has like kind of started at the very beginning of the of the event and chronicled it as it was happening, like a real time true crime podcast. I mean, we could have done that if you'd had this idea about a month ago. I don't know. I think we're okay. I think we're up to I think we're <laughs> up to date on this. Hi everybody. Welcome to I Don't Wanna Hear It. I'm Mikey. I'm Shane. And we're back with another one of one or five. Yes, I love lists. Loving the lists, sitting inside in the still air with nowhere to go. We didn't have much to do this week, but compile our picks. So, And what's great about this is uh, mine are reflective of how stuck in the house I've been. Oh, okay, so it's, it's, it's a list of you slowly going crazy. <laughs> so my number one is Forks. I, I I can't wait. Uh, but before we do that, why don't we do our forgotten freshness? Whoop whoop! I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. Well, I'm getting paid. Everybody sit there and shut the fuck up. Or I'm peeling caps like bananas, motherfucker. My 
my Forgotten Freshmen this week is a band that people forget about um, or forgot after one or two or three songs. That's um, the idea. They, yeah, 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 yeah. But they are a band that people know about. So, again, it's like they know these songs, they've heard these songs, but they forget that they're a band that still exists. Um, I've done this before where I talked about how The Offspring was a band that uh, had some good records and then just did not. And so people forgot that they were a good punk band for a little while. Um, so I'm going to kind of go the same route here, except I'm going to go the route of people forgot this band existed and they continue to put out great records. So this band is called Third Eye Blind. Okay. Are you okay. cool with that? Are you good with this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you're not familiar with Third Eye Blind, they're a band that formed in uh, 1993 in San Francisco. They have a ton of records out. Um, but most people only know their first record because they know the song Semi-Charmed Life, which was the poppiest song about meth that's been ever, ever been written. Is that they what it's put, about? It's, the whole song is about meth. Did you I'm not know that? To, I'm trying to think of the lyrics. That's how, that song's about meth? That song is about being on really strong drugs. Mm. Okay. I mean, what Jumper was about suicide, right? Yeah, that band is so sad. Stephen Jenkins is so sad. And narcolepsy is about narcolepsy. <laughs> yeah, it's about not sleeping, right? Or sleeping too much. <laughs> it's the opposite of not sleeping. Having so anyway, no control over when you are sleeping. <laughs> yeah, that would be the worst, right? You sleep whenever your body wants you to. And you have no control over that. So anyway, the song was written about and focuses on crystal meth addiction. Um, just like Geek Stink Breath does by Green Day. Yeah, I was going to say, same era. Two two great songs about doing meth. Yeah, there's probably more great songs about meth. I'm shocked that Choking Victim doesn't have any songs about meth. <laughs> I wonder, what's more expensive? You think meth or crack is more expensive? That's a great question. Uh, let's let's call uh, Stizza. If we have any him. drug addicts in the audience, we'd appreciate an answer. Yeah, thank you. We don't want to do our own research. So, uh... Third Eye Blind put out the self-titled record. They blew up. They got really big with Semi-Charmed Life and Jumper and and Graduate was a single on there. And they had a couple other love songs that, that were. Yeah. The whole album is great. When I was a kid, I used to love the front half of the album, which had all the hits. The truth is, is the back half of the album is just as good, if not better. And I kind of learned how to enjoy it with age. Anyway, they put out a, uh, a second release uh, under with the same lineup of, of members in the band. And the album was called Blue. And they had that song... Um, uh, anything for you and I'll never let you go, which were also pop song hits, but then they never had another single again. And everybody just kind of forgets this band existed until semi charmed life comes on. Well, out of the vein came out in 2003. So the year before I graduated high school, they put out another record, right? I was in high school when they put another record out. And then in 2009, I was three years apparent and they put out another record called Ursa Major. Then they put out Dopamine. Then they put out um, uh, an album, an EP called We Are Drugs. And then uh, a Thanks for Everything EP. And then they put out a sixth studio album called Screamer. Now, here's what I'm going to tell everybody. If you like Third Eye Blind, if you liked the first album, take a second to go listen to their other albums. Go listen to Out of the Vein. Go listen to Ursa Major because they are just as good. They just didn't get any recognition because they kind of fell out of the spotlight for a little bit. Uh, and on their Spotify, if you go on their Spotify, they have all these really cool releases where they did like this 20th anniversary edition of the self-titled record. And they did this um, 
they did like the the Summer Gods tour, which was like they do these small tours where they play places like the House of Blues, and they recorded it, and it's a pretty cool recording of like kind of that spans their career. So uh, anyway, they're a great band to like still listen to. I don't I don't know why this band is a, a one of the '90s bands that I stuck with. Maybe because I uh, I want to say the self titled was one of the first albums I bought, but people forget that they exist except for Thir- Semi Charmed Life, and the rest of their stuff is just as good. That's my forgotten freshness. Go listen to them; they're fun. I always really liked "Graduate." That was uh, that was one of my favorite songs. I wanted years from now to cover it. Didn't we? We learned the intro or something, and then we never did it. Yep, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, we talked about covering that, and we talked about covering that when we were in the um, when we were in Night on Earth when we were talking about doing like a full covers album. Oh yeah, man, we had we had a lot of ideas that were never never spoken of past the initial yeah. stage. Yeah, we I actually think, had like I ten think songs. I wanted us to to cover the decline. Didn't I say that once? Uh, I think you talked about covering part of it. Yeah, and then you <laughs> talked about we talked about covering like uh, we actually I can't learned even play it. I know. Let alone that play crazy. and sing it. Yeah, our drummer would have died. Oh God, what a dumb idea. So yeah, we almost did a a, a covers album which included Jim Blossoms, Oasis, Third Eye Ooh. Blind. Um, I mean, all good songs, but. It was we could have definitely... pulled some of those off, but not the decline. <laughs> that would have never worked. Yeah, we never would have done that. We actually learned um, so much for the Afterglow, too. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. We we did some of those songs all right. Yeah, it was fine enough. It was fine. Yeah. So, anyway, Third Eye Blind still a band. They still exist. They just put out a new album at the beginning of this year. Enjoy them. All right. My pick for this week's Forgotten Freshness is a band called... Cigar. Oh, it's it's about damn time you got to this band. I know. I, I really, I really, I really dig them. So this is probably one of those the most criminally slept on skate punk bands from the nineties. Uh, they were from Eugene, Oregon, and they were active from ninety six until two thousand four. Uh, they only did the one record in their entire existence. It came out on Theologian in ninety nine, and we talked about Theologian when I was talking about uh, No Fun at All a couple one and ones ago. And uh, the record is called Speed is Relative, and it was produced by Fletcher Drag from Pennywise. Okay, okay, okay. So it sounded real big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every guitar was an Ibanez. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like a, a metal dude playing punk. Um, <laughs> how, wait, what? How do I do this? You just take the riff and make it stupid? All right. <laughs> um but yeah, we and I talked about Cigar before when we were talking about the Toy Machine Jump Off a Building video. Uh, Way to the World is one of their songs, and it was played during Chris Sen's part in that in that skate video, and it was awesome. I, and that was the first time I heard them. Uh, they, they actually formed out of a punk band called The Circus Tents. I didn't know this. And that band was around from 88 till 93. They're from, I guess, Northern California. And they were kind of made somewhat famous because Billy Joe Armstrong during you know the dookie era he put their sticker on his guitar ah. and afi covered circus tents on answer that and stay fashionable and one thing i found out the drummer of cigar he's a guy named john sortland he plays drums for the shins oh that's weird that's lame too but i just thought i should put that the in shins there. are the shins are okay oh yeah <laughs> um my my the reason I like this band they're a perfect distillation I think of the skate punk sound of that time it's technical not too technical it's fast very melodic the vocals are sung they're very well done they got the rhythm sections just dialed in 
good lyrics. It's just pure skate fuel. So uh, the band reunited in 2013, and according to Wikipedia, they have not officially disbanded again, but they are kind of inactive. And they're on Bandcamp and Spotify. And uh, that's a good time for me to say, from now on, I'm not going to worry about doing a separate site for posting Bandcamp and Spotify links and all that type of crap. I'm just going to include it all in the show notes. So if you are interested in listening to Cigar, uh, where I'm going to put the the links in the show notes for Bandcamp and Spotify. Perfect. So, yep, Cigar, great band. Check them out. One record. It's not like a deep discography you got to wade through. Speed is relative. In and then out. It's like 14 songs. So, so think about this for a second. Like, this is, we talked about the Shy Halud record release schedule being like six to seven years between full lengths. Yeah. This band is, they, they have it. There's an entirely new schedule. Like, they put out one record and they've been a band for how long? 25 years? Yeah, since 96. I mean, they did take a long break from 04 to 2013. 24 year record release schedule. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't want to hear a new record from them because you know, Ten Foot Pole, they put out a new record kind of recently. They covered some of their old songs and did some new ones. This wasn't this wasn't into it, man. It, it, there was a, something about that time, that sound from the 90s up until the early 2000s. It works. It just doesn't work anymore. That's like know. Lagwagon did that. They put out a new record well, and it was kind of like, eh. See, that's where I disagree, because I think Lagwagon, they're so good at what they do that they have changed their sound a bit with the times, and I think the new shit's uh, just as good, if not better, than Haas and, and uh, Duh. I don't know. I mean, I, the only band from that era that I'm like, I still think, there's a couple bands, but there's only, like, you know, we talked about Mill and Colin, Bad Religion, I still think puts out great records, and Face to Face things still puts out great records so like those are yeah. the three bands that i consistently listen to from that era um because all the other ones i'm just kind of like yeah i don't need another i don't need another like i don't need another lag wagon record i don't need another pennywise record like i'm okay well i think no effect still puts out really good records and as, yeah. but as much as i love rancid you know i don't hate their new records but they're not great you they're, know yeah they're they're not they're not it's just a different. It's just they're old now. That's what it is. Post indestructible. I feel like they're trying to play a version of themselves that doesn't exist anymore. Which you know, and and how how spoiled am I? Yeah, how dare we? Uh, but I'm just saying, you know, we still get new rancid records. They may not be as good as an outcome the wolves. I'm just if we're we're talking from a purely critical standpoint. Anyway, yeah. you want to get to the lists? Let's do the lists. The lists. Ah, lists. <laughs> Coming in at number five on my list this week, I have a question. Have you ever had something called lemon curd? Yeah. And what's your take? I mean, if I'm going to go for something sweet, uh, citrusy sweet is not my go-to. So no orange juice for you in the morning. No, orange juice is fine. If I'm going for like something desserty, because I feel like lemon curd is kind of a desserty type of thing. Mm. Well, the British would disagree with you. I don't give a fuck about the British. <laughs> fuck the Royals. <laughs> uh, so at number five, lemon curd. All right, 
I have only been eating it for a couple of months. I just found out about it. I'm going to tell you how I found out about it. It's really stupid. So basically, for anybody who doesn't know what lemon curd is, because it sounds like a weird thing, I, I just picture a lemon thrown into cottage cheese when I heard it. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> like doesn't, it doesn't evoke anything. Unsliced lemon just... Uh, you take lemon zest, juice, eggs, and butter, and then you just beat the shit out of it until it's the consistency of custard. If you can, If you can visualize the filling of lemon meringue pie, it's... Basically that, but spreadable and not as sugary sweet. Now, you can put it on toast, which is what I do. You can put it on muffins. You can put it on scones. It's my favorite new breakfast condiment, of which I have several, but we will not go into that today. <laughs> like, you do you have – so you have, like, a – like, do you have, like, a running list like I did with the theory of desserts? Like, you have a thing going on with breakfast condiments? Mm-hmm. I have a hierarchy of breakfast condiments. Right now, lemon curd's at the top, but it's a it's a very fragile uh, system. It could be toppled at any moment. Well, I mean, there's only one breakfast condiment, and it's hot sauce. Well, yeah, for eggs. I'm not putting this shit on eggs. I'm talking about spreadable jams. Anyway. I got you. So I've been cooking a lot more, you know, and I've been buying a lot more things and try. I mean, I've always been open to trying new things. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll order something off a menu at a restaurant, you know, without ever having had it before. That's fine. But I've been cooking a lot more and, you know, I've been buying a lot of things I see in the fancy sections at Publix. You know, okay. I, I've been making my own tomato sauce lately. I've been doing pancakes and waffles every other morning, chicken parm. I made this unreal steak sandwich the other day. I got it out of Action Bronson's cookbook. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a fantastic read, but there are some great recipes in there. Some of it's just like, yo, go to this bodega and buy this there. I was like, I'm never going to be there. Well, whatever. Go to Columbia and get this on the street. Okay. But <laughs> um, at any rate, I, I you know, since I've gotten into my – 30s i give a shit more about my food not so much health but like am i enjoying it you know i guess i'm eating my feelings i don't know yeah but at this point grape jelly is not just not going to do for my morning toast lemon curd makes you feel classy like you're at high tea but with (laughs) me i'm just in gym shorts and my tony soprano robe yeah i mean you know i and i get that like i think that you know as i get as i get older like i want to eat food that i enjoy like I want to appreciate what I'm eating. Like I want to really like be in that moment. Um, and I don't have a problem with lemon curd. It just like I said, like it's just one of those things where it's like it's just not really part of my palate. Well, I'd recommend it if you never had it. You find it in the jellies and the jams at Publix or in the fancy aisle. Um, and I'll tell you how I found out about it, and then I'm done. Okay. I'd never heard of this shit before. And I eat a lot of toast, which is the most boring thing I could say about myself. There's an episode of Archer, and <laughs> Archer is hungover, because he's always hungover, and he's drinking Bloody Marys out of a pitcher, and his butler, who he always picks on, Woodhouse, brings him, you know, he brings him all this food, and uh, Archer throws it all on the floor when Woodhouse tells him that they're out of lemon curd. <laughs> what am I supposed to spread on my toast now, Woodhouse? It's, it's, uh, that's how I found out cartoon, a cartoon is what clued me in. So that's my number five. Well, okay. So that's great. I mean, that's fine. Like, I'm glad that you're enjoying your food. So my number five has to do with the idea of aging. 
specifically to the idea, like you, you mentioned, a Tony Soprano bathrobe. So uh, <laughs> let me preface this. So when you when you hear people talk about Florida being not cold in the winter, how does that make you feel? It's cold to us. We're not accustomed to it. Yeah, but it's also a different kind of cold, right? Like it's not like a snowy, blistery cold that you get in the in the in the Lifetime movies. It's it's a it's a a wet, dank, disgusting cold that cuts to your core. Yeah, there some places have magical winters. We have none of that. It's just like, oh, it sucks outside, and then it warms up, and you're like, it still sucks outside. Yeah. See, I was in Canada, and it was ten degrees. Ten degrees. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I wanted to die because that was a different kind of cold. It wasn't a wet cold in Manitoba. It was a hell cold. So here, it's different. It's a wet cold. So when you go outside in the cold, like if you have dogs, I have three of them, and I have to let them out in the middle of the night, it's freezing cold outside. And you cannot walk barefoot on the tile. So my number five is slippers. I'm there, okay. man. I'm with you. I wear mine Listen, all the time. Slippers are fucking awesome. Like, and not slippers like those bullshit Crocs that people buy. I'm talking like real slippers. I'm talking about like my slippers have a nice thick cushion. Mm-hmm. My slippers have like a uh, they have like that that you know that those coats like those really heavy coats that have like kind of like the fuzzy inside that's lined. I don't know what that's called. I don't have words for that because I don't understand fashion. <laughs> Yeah, but we also don't understand winter functionality in clothes. Nope, we don't. So uh, so I got slippers because I needed to walk outside, and I didn't want my feetsies to be cold. And so <laughs> I got a pair of slippers that I can slip right on. I can get up out of bed. And this is, this is the image that I want to evoke for everybody as you listen to this audio medium. There are times in my life that I have put on these slippers wearing Batman pajama pants, in a robe, a house robe, with a mug of coffee, and I have stood on my front porch and I have waved at my neighbors. Hey, Jim! That's what I did. <laughs> and here's the thing. All of those things by themselves, perfectly fine. Comfort things, right? But together, it's not really made unless you have the slippers. Barefoot just makes you look like a heathen. But the slippers, oh, yeah. they really wrap up the ensemble. Agreed. So my number five is slippers. I love I love my slippers. I'll wear them. I wish I was wearing them right now, and I'm not. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, we have carpeted upstairs, but it's tile downstairs. So before I even step on the tile, they're right there in the shoe rack. Just boop boop, put them on. If it's if it's if it's before noon, the robe is on because I'm still tired and I need something soft to wrap around me so I don't get angry at everybody. Yeah, I started wearing a flannel as a house coat. <laughs> you, have, you now you have a house jacket. I have a house jacket, and it's just a flannel, which is uh, on par with my TikTok brand. I don't that that didn't make any sense what you just said to me. So yeah, and that's fine. It's my aesthetic, dude. That's what it is. It's my aesthetic. Old hipster. Old hipster. Yeah, like I definitely saw hot water music play at small clubs. <laughs> All right, for my number four, it's a bit divisive. I know everyone's surprised. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you're gonna like any of our friends that we know, like Matt. Uh, Matt Moment listening, he's probably gonna hate this one. You're probably just gonna 
dislike it too. But for my number four, when I first started teaching several years ago now, um, I kept hearing this word, and the word was Fortnite. Ugh. That's my number four. So, I thought you were going to say pedagogy. No, but every time they say pedagogy or scaffolding, I'm looking for a window to just hurl myself through. But everything's <laughs> one story. So do you want to do you want to jump through feet first? <laughs> yeah, and not make it all the way. So I just fold myself over the jagged glass window pane yeah. because yeah. that is preferable to hearing about scaffolding for the pedagogy and and synergy. Yeah. So go on. So I kept hearing this word Fortnite. And I, I remembered it from history and civics it's, it's, or Paul Revere's ride. I don't remember. It's an old timey word, but it didn't uh-huh. mean what I thought it meant. And then I was thinking they're talking about drugs, but they weren't. I asked the kids about it and I found out it was an online multiplayer battle royale shooter, which if you're keeping up, that's a video game. I didn't even know that was a thing. And, and I'm not, I'm not much of a multiplayer guy. I like a single player campaign. I don't want people all over my ass. You know, I don't want to play on a team. That's why I played video games in the first place. So the kids said, you got to download, because they know I play video games. So they said, you got to download it. And they said, it's on mobile. You can download it right now and try it out. I'm like, I hate mobile games. So I downloaded it. I deleted it within about two minutes. uh, And they said I was a bot. And then I sent them to the office. Nice. Uh, but it is available on every platform, PS4 included. So last Christmas, I downloaded it. And it didn't do so well. Remember, this is 100 players. I may not have said that. It's Battle Royale. It's 100 players, real-life people, all playing in the same uh, battlefield, right? Like the same sandbox. They're all yeah. in the same sandbox. You're all in the same area shooting each other. And and it's not one shot, one kill, but you know you have a life bar, and, and the guns can be pretty powerful. So if you get shot, you're, you're probably done. I didn't do too well. I got I did get to number three in a match one time. That was that was my crowning achievement. But then after that, I got killed. Uh, I didn't even break the top 50 again. But with all this time on our hands, you know, I put so many hours into Red Dead Online. I decided to take a break from moonshining and trapping and hunting. Uh huh. So I re-downloaded Fortnite and I'm hooked. OK, I mean, I get it. It's 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 goofy. It's cartoony. It is a shooter. It's fun. It does take some skill. You're one of a hundred players, and at the beginning of each match, you skydive into this big area, and it's a cool area. It's got like lots of different terrain and buildings, and they all have all these stupid names for each little area, like Twisty Towers or some shit, Dusty Dunes. It's all a lot of alliteration. Like as soon as you skydive out and you hit the ground, you got to start gathering resources because you start the game with no guns. You have to go find guns, which is everyone has a mad scramble, but you can choose to get off at the edge of the map and then run to join the action. You know, if you're not such a good player, I'd say wait till the end of get to the end of the map because you're getting flown over it. Skydive in at the end, then gather your stuff, then go start shooting people. But you do land with a pickaxe and you're, you start, you got to start hitting trees with it immediately because in Fortnite, you need materials to build forts. Yeah. Yes, that's accurate. Because <laughs> as soon as someone starts shooting, if you have materials, which you, you take like three or four whacks at a tree, and then you got enough to build a couple of walls. Well, as soon as someone starts shooting at you, you don't have to build a fort. You just throw a wall up, and then you can sort of get defensive and tactical with that. 
and, you know, and people do all kinds of crazy shit. You know, they, there's there's tutorials online about you know, all this complicated tactical stuff that I, I'd never even want to even delve into. It's not that important to me. The game is just a lark. It's fun. There's no story to get invested in. You just jump in, shoot a couple of guys, get shot, and you're done. But see, I'm better now. I don't know why something clicks. So I, I'm routinely making it into the into the last ten guys, you know, and I'm getting like maybe anywhere from two to five kills a match, which I think is pretty good for an old fart like me. Yeah, because this game is made for a teenage brain. It's fast. Right. It's 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 intense. It's filled with memes. You know, it's it's goofy as hell, but there's just something about it. I really enjoy it, and it, it's as long as you don't get too invested in it. It's it's whatever I get I get killed I'm like eh, and you start a new match, but I did because it's a free game. If anyone's interested, you can download it for free. I did buy the battle pass. Which, <laughs> what does that ten, mean? It's ten bucks. Most of these online games, like Red Dead, has this. They have the uh, the outlaw pass, where as you level up for doing certain things in the game, you get different costumes and different bonuses and different things that help you. So it was only ten bucks. I bought it. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, Doom Eternal was amazing, just like I knew it would be. But it was fucking difficult. I needed a break. Yeah. And this this message goes directly to Matt Moment. Don't discount yourself for Fortnite, because I know that we both tried to play it around the same time. <laughs> we were just like, this makes no sense. But like I said, have some fun with it. It's a fun game. It's free. If you buy the Battle Pass, it's only 10 bucks. You can do a lot of fun stuff with that. I mean, my guy was a banana the other day, so that was fun. Yeah, that's what it, it, I mean. Uh, there was, did you play it when there was the Star Wars patch? No, but there is like, um, Avengers and X-Force stuff in it right now. Uh Uh-huh. And also, uh, Travis Scott, the rapper is in it. Yeah. (laughs) It's bizarre what gets in there. But for the Star Wars one, instead of getting guns, you can get lightsabers. Yeah, see, I miss that because that, that is one of the cool things about these games. They're constantly being updated with new content and new things and themes. I don't know. I used to think it was stupid, but it's fun. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to I'm sure after this stay at home shit lifts, I'm probably not going to play it that much anymore, but it's fun while it lasts. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. So that's a good number four. I like that. I, I appreciate that. It's no Animal Crossing. Yeah, I mean, you're still missing out. We caught a Mahi Mahi, so. Well, goddamn. Yeah. So anyway. All right. My number four is my record for the list. So, um, lately, I've been in a, an elevated state, uh, stressed out beyond all get out. And uh, every now and again, when I get stressed out, one thing that does help me is listening to music that doesn't have any words. Because if I'm stressed out, I hate everybody and I hate people and I don't want to talk to anybody. So, I don't even want to hear somebody talk about stuff. So I like to listen to albums without words sometimes. And this album is one that I've always found really interesting because of the musicianship of the people in the band and how they put the songs together and the structures. So my number four is a band called Limbic System, and the album is called Shutter Release. Limbic System. And uh, it's spelled with all Ys. So L-Y-M-B-Y-C-S-Y-T-S-T-Y-M. So, so they they had decided to to stylize it like that because they wanted to kind of own the name and kind of have this like this own little thing. Um, but it backfired and they constantly get compared to Leonard Skinner because of it. 
<laughs> uh, that's true. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so they 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 definitely loathe that. But there, it's an instrumental uh, kind of weird. There's like some electronic stuff. Really interesting percussion in it. Um, it's not like the books where it's like gibberish. Put the tape. Like it is. It is. It's structured really well. The songs. Oh, have so a you admit it. You admit I, it. I know it, but I still like it. So I, I I have no problem. I have no shame in that game. Like I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, there's some ICP songs I kind of like, so I'm, yeah, I have no room to talk. Speaking of ICP, in our theme that ICP are good people, ICP came out and said that they're canceling the gathering because of social distancing. They're oh. following the CDC guidelines more than Mike Pence, who was just wandering the feet the 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 halls of the May Institute without a mask. The juggalos make more sense than the current administration right now oh man there's they started donating masks to essential workers man no gathering that means no gathering video i was looking forward to putting that on my fucking list this year (laughs) yep sorry anyway i digress let me get back to limbic system so limbic system is made up of two people and they're brothers you've got um jared bell and mike bell who are in the band and one is the drummer one plays all the keyboards and stuff and, and kind of does all this thing now it doesn't sound like keyboards it doesn't sound like synths and stuff like that it just sounds like this cool electronic music over some really interesting beats some cool samples and stuff like that um what's weird about this band though is that suddenly mike bell michael bell died on november 10th of 2016 never was disclosed why he died yeah. and the band never put out another record so um, if you get a chance to listen to this band and you want to listen to something kind of mellow or something kind of interesting, uh, I would say check out the split with This Will Destroy You. It's called Field Studies. Shutter Release is really good. Symbolist is interesting and Split Stones is interesting. Those are the two and they got a little bit more electronic. I would say Shutter Release is the one that really feels like this is the band um, and it kind of has that still not too spacey vibe. Uh, not too synthy vibe. Um, it still feels pretty grounded. So uh, that's my number four, Limbic System, Shutter Release. It's a really great, fun record to listen to. Really nice and calming, really mellow. But the guy died. That's sad. Yeah, forget I said that. <laughs> forget I said anything about the guy dying and the band doesn't exist anymore. Leonard System. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Leonard System. All right, my number three, uh, I wanted to do something uplifting, because I know my number one won't be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. So I know we've all been stuck inside. I mean, not like we can't leave our homes, but trying to be whatever, you know. Um, It's been a rough month, even for those of us that haven't gotten sick. So you got to keep your spirits up, staying inside, and I have something for you to do that with. Get your little phone, go on YouTube, and look up those old Jackass and CKY videos. (laughs) That is my number three. One video specifically. I'll get to in just one second. So I have to say, I I just watched Hot Ones with Steve-O like yesterday. And it was a great interview. Like Steve-O's kind of an obnoxious dork, but has some pretty important viewpoints. Like some really cool insights about Jackass that I, I can touch on in a minute 
Well, Steve-O, he, he cleaned up. He was, he was one of the craziest ones, but he went sober. He got sober and he went vegan, which, you know, I, I'm sure it helps his health. I'm not going to say what I normally would say. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's in a more positive place now. He does, he does his own podcast. He has all this shit that he does online. So I, I'm, I'm, I, and I love that interview on hot ones. It was great. Knoxville called him in the middle of it. And yeah. he's like, yo bro, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they kept calling him the captain. Yeah. They call him the captain. That's great. Well, look, you know, I, I, I came to jackass back when they were still big brother in the late nineties, right after I picked up skateboard, one of my older friends, he had one of the old big brother videos. It was called number two. And it's the first time you get to see Johnny Knoxville. He, he does all the uh, self-defense equipment. He tests it all on himself. <laughs> Pepper spray, right. stun gun, taser. And they use that for the jackass pilot on MTV like a couple years later. But the thing they cut out was when he put on the Kevlar vest and they shot him with a small caliber pistol. Oh, my God. That was in it, but they cut it out for MTV. I remember seeing that and being like, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. And for anyone who doesn't know, I said Big Brother. They were an old skateboarding magazine. Uh, best one at the time. It was better than Thrasher. It was more punk than Thrasher, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was better than Trans World. It was better than any of them. It had some of the most creative writing. It was hilarious. And there was crazy good skating in it. And you got to see a lot of the people who would go on to feature in Jackass. Anyway. So I, I was just looking into how they formed and it just, it seems like it, it just the way any group of friends forms, you know, they, they had all the jackass guys from big brother. They auditioned a few people like Preston Lacey and then, uh, they scooped up Bam's, uh, Bam Margera's CKY crew. And oh, right. Dude, the CKY videos, I forgot about, uh, you know, Brandon DiCamillo, his friend that he used to kind of run with. They had that band Narkill that was so stupid Oh, they did yeah. the Skeletor and Beastman song. Right. I forgot about that. And he does that. The Chinese rap. Like, I can kick you higher than you can kick me. Kick you <laughs> way up into a tree. <laughs> and the other one I completely oh forgot about. The song they did called Mustard Man. <laughs> He's I like, don't remember that one. Mustard makes me cry. I hate it. Suicide. <laughs> it's so stupid. But I, you know what I didn't know is Johnny Knoxville, he was an aspiring actor and he was a writer on Big Brother. He wasn't just like a stunt guy. Huh. And they all just kind of fit together. And, and it's just watching all those old videos, it really takes me back. Because, you know, when we were out skating in the late 90s, early 2000s, someone always had a camera. And we would do stupid shit like that all the time. We would ignore the don't try this at home disclaimer. I've gone flying out of many a shopping cart when it hit a curb. Uh-huh. I went bush jumping. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, we, we used to have friends that would jump out of the bed of a truck going like 30 into a bush. So. I mean, I think about the fireworks wars we used to, to to do. Like, I mean, that was all stupid shit. Like, that's what, like, I mean, we weren't, I don't think that we ever got, like, catapulted out of a porta potty, but. No, but uh, we did not do the poo cocktail, but. Nope. We did a lot of stupid shit. That was it, our line. Poop was our line. Yeah, there no way you'd ever get me to do that. But it was just, we. It wasn't, it, it was stupid, but watching those guys, the way, you know, they do take risks and they hurt themselves all the time, but the way that they just, they all laugh when someone eats shit. Like my favorite video is the high five. Do you remember that one with the big oh hand? Oh my God. <laughs> and when like, 
they have that guy Aaron come in. They make him come in holding soup, open containers of soup. <laughs> and Wee Man says, you know, what's up, bro? And then he goes, high five. And he lets the fucking hand slip and it slaps him. <laughs> and Knoxville comes out just screaming laughter. He fell for the soup like that. Just reminds me of when everyone was all together at the Sixth Street house or, or wherever it was, just goofing and being ridiculously stupid, you know, throwing machetes at trees. We we would do all kinds of stupid shit. And it's not just because it was stupid. It, it was just it was fun to be with your friends and laugh. And that, I think, is really what Jackass is about. But the video I think everybody should watch is the video for Andrew W.K.'s We Want Fun. It oh, was, yeah. You remember that video? Yes. It was part of the Jackass, the, the first movie soundtrack. And the entire crew is there. Everybody. Steve-O, Dunn, everybody. And it's the old, it's the I Get Wet lineup. You know, I, I know he's changed a few people out in the years since. So, but it's the dude, it's the Hawaiian shirt dude. I think he was in obituary. You know, you got the... Uh, sideburn chops guy big dude and everyone's just going crazy it looks like one of the most fun shows you could ever go to i mean andrew wk is holding wee man up with one arm while he's singing then at one point he's got a bunch of tires around his neck while he's singing he's standing on the top of the quarter pipe and people are doing foot plants off of him and there's this great moment where johnny knoxville and andrew wk are just skanking to the song hard as fuck so it's ridiculous so cool it, it it just it, it i've been to shows almost like that we were never as crazy we were never as fun but there were times when we got close and it's just it's such a cool feeling and it's a cool thing to remember and think about um like you're saying those hot ones interviews you should watch those knoxville and steve-o they're great uh they're making a jackass four i found out that's awesome i'm into it excited i i just yeah. the best way i think to sum them up is heroes are remembered, but legends never die. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think my favorite thing about that interview with Steve-O was that he talked about the pranks they would do were never mean-spirited. And I don't think that I ever really thought about that until he said that. And I was like, they never were really preying on innocent people. Like, they would prank people in public or they would do wacky shit, but they were never, like, like malicious about it. Yeah, they never they never hurt other people. They did hurt each other. Like they would fuck with each other hardcore, but they just had that one rule, you know, don't don't be mean-spirited to someone who's not in on it. Like they I mean, they got they got shot with stuff. I mean, they they hurt each other so bad. And they would put themselves in a, I I remember the one video where Steve-O puts the raw chicken in the back of his G-string and he's walking a tightrope over alligators. Yes. <laughs> It's insane that none of them ever died. I know Dunn, of course, unfortunately died. It wasn't doing a stunt. He did something crazy stupid the way he was driving his car and he was drunk. But it's a bummer because he was really funny, too. Yeah. I, one of the best shots you'll ever see of that whole entire crew. I think it's at the beginning of two or three where they're running from the bulls in slow motion. And you just see everybody's face and Pontius <laughs> yep. is still smiling, even though uh -huh. he's he's inches from death. He's still like grinning like <laughs> and everyone's just screaming. 
Yeah, everybody's terrified. You know, I that that brings up a you know that's the the point that I would kind of take from all that is like there's nothing better than laughing and doing stupid stupid shit with your friends, and this is something that I don't think translates to people who are normies. Like, I think part of the reason the people who are normies that listen to the show is because when we share stories about like our childhood, like you didn't have that experience because you didn't have those friends that weren't trying to mimic the jackass people, but just would do stupid shit and laugh with each other. Like that brings me to the the day that we were sitting at the sixth street house and we fired a potato gun in the house. <laughs> it's all loaded. Like, Boom. Windows gone. <laughs> it was, it was. So first of all, the owner of the house, the people who actually owned the house and the people that lived in the house were not at the house when this happened. Nobody yeah, I, who lived in the house was there at the time. I feel, I don't want to say I feel bad, but that the punk house experience and we had a few and, and it wasn't like, a place that we could burn down, but you know, it, just a place where anything went shooting each other with fucking uh, pellet guns or airsoft guns. I mean, you know, we th- threw air uh, goo gone at Tom and it went down his ass crack and just th- playing football over the house. It, like waiting for a car to go by in the street, throwing the ball so that the ball would bounce and the car would break. <laughs> or so ri- so dead dumb. body mannequin <laughs> and leaving it on the side of the road and just waiting for people to stop. <laughs> that that like, shit is so dumb and yes you, if you do something really stupid you could get in trouble so don't but we did have a lot of fun and th- it just makes me think of that and especially when you can't fucking do anything right now except for go for a bike ride it, it it's fun to go back and watch all those videos oh yeah 100 percent. i'm gonna i'm gonna add that to my list to catch up on that um man good times all right so my number three because we're at number three right yep all right, so my number three is something far less exciting than Jackass, far less exciting than bush jumping, far less exciting than um, lighting people on fire. Um, but I've discovered this thing, and I cannot believe that I haven't used this thing up until now. I spend a lot of time on the computer. I spend a lot of time moving in my office. I spend a lot of time um, doing a lot of work online. Right. So like, I mean, the podcast, like I'm on two podcasts. We do, I do training online. I mean, I was doing that before all the pandemic stuff. And I mean, even my computer is set up. So like you all can't see it, but I have two computer screens that I run off of because it increases productivity because that's the stage. That's the stage in my life that I'm at. I've got two screens. It looks like NASA in there. It's fucking awesome. I actually have three screens. So, but I'm not going to get into all that right now. So (laughs) But my number three is actually something that um, I was resistant to because I tend to be somebody who likes simple things, but discovered that this was way simpler and it actually made my life easier. My number three is wireless headphones. So for those of you who can't see, Mikey can see me right now. I am wearing wireless headphones. Those are wireless? They are wireless. Watch this. Yeah, good. You all could see it. You You all could see it. I almost fell into my chair because I'm standing up at my standing desk. Wait, you're standing up right now? You're actually using it? Yes, I am. I just did a jig on the Zoom video that Mikey conceived. So, here's what I want to tell everybody. I started using wireless headphones because I kept pulling on the cord and almost pulling my laptop off of the standing desk. (laughs) With your giant head? (laughs) Because I'm too tall. And I have too much of a reach. So, you can't see it. And I've already done everything wireless. Like, I have a wireless keyboard. 
I have a wireless mouse, and now I have wireless headphones. So I'm going to give myself cancer. I've come to grips with that. Like, there's so many radio waves just shooting through my head right now. It's going to happen. But more importantly, what I've discovered with wireless headphones is freedom. I didn't have this freedom. I wasn't tethered to my desk. I can get up and walk across the room and go light a candle if I need to. While I'm having supervision, I don't have to take my headphones off. I can supervise somebody, and I can stop for a second, and I can get up and walk to my bookshelf that's behind me and grab a book that I'm referencing. It's so liberating to not have a cord that tethers you to this god-awful desk. And so I put wireless headphones as my number three because I had no idea... That I was locked in a cage. Despite all your rage. Yeah. I saw I saw a picture today that was um it was the cover of Melancholy and Infinite Sadness, and it was a picture of Billy Corgan on a roller coaster, really sad. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, it's good. And I was like, that makes sense. It's infinite sadness. Yeah, he is sad. And also very alien like. And he also owns he's a part owner of a wrestling business yeah I, I saw that interview he did on joe rogan a couple years ago it was very weird to hear him talking and talking about being into wrestling <laughs> like really into wrestling yeah he's super into wrestling like so much so much into wrestling that he spent millions of dollars buying into the business yeah you would have never thought the guy who wrote stumbling was was into wrestling <laughs> nope Nope, not that guy, but he is 100%. And one thing, too, Billy Corgan does not get enough credit for being the fucking ripping guitar player that he is. He is an unreal guitar player, but he does not get that kind of credit. I mean, he, he is good. Smashing Pumpkins are a great band. They don't get it. They don't get as much recognition from the 90s as a lot of bands. I love Siamese Dream and uh, Melancholy. Those are definitely two. If I, had, if I had to make a list of like 50 top rock records... Those would definitely be on there, probably in the top 25 at least. Siamese Dream is almost a perfect record. Yeah, it's it's great. Mayonnaise is probably one of my favorite songs from the 90s. Oh, it's so good. So it's Chair Brock. What a great, what a great song. What a great band. Let's yeah. talk more about Smashing Pumpkins. I think in the first disc of Melancholy, Muzzle, um, God, there's, there's just a bunch of songs that weren't hits, but they were so good. And they're on the first part of Melancholy. And then on the second one, a song Bodies and Where Boys Fear to Tread. Killer songs. So awesome riffs. Great songs. Honestly, even Zeitgeist that came out a few years ago was pretty good still. See, I didn't listen to them beyond Adore. Because Adore kind of bummed me out. And then I was getting Adore into Adore was rock. bullshit. I mean, there were some good songs on it. I wouldn't put it up there with a great record, but it was, it was okay. Yeah, but Zeitgeist was good. They did that. They released it for free. You can't even get it on Spotify, but they had some pretty good. That that was that was. They did a good job. That was like they started getting the original lineup back a little bit around then. They don't have the drummer though, right? Because he, he no, die? they had the drummer. No, they had that drummer. They had the drummer from Melancholy. But what about they don't have Darcy the bassist anymore, right? No, Darcy never came back. I think she like hated Billy Corgan or something. Weird. They got James Eha. Yeah, he's back. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, number three, wireless headphones. And Smashing Pumpkins. And Smashing Pumpkins, because that's really what I was trying to get at. My number two on the list is, of course, a TV show. And that TV show 
is The Sopranos. <laughs> I was yeah. wondering why you said the Tony Soprano bath bathrobe. Like that's <laughs> that makes more sense now. Well, no, I mean I, I was wearing the robe long before I. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you here. So back when Netflix discs first became available in the Daytona area, that was like the early two thousands. I was an early adopter, and the first thing I got was Sopranos season one. And it was only about a year or two after it had aired, and I had just got a DVD player. You know who gave me the DVD player? Um, do you know? Mike Osborne. Oh, hey, Mike Osborne. Shout out to Mike Osborne. Gave me my first DVD player back when they were hundreds of dollars. He, I think he gave it to me for 100 bucks. He might even give it to me for free. I don't remember. It was super cheap or it was free. It was a great deal, whatever it was. He gave it to me in the kitchen at Countryside Lakes where we worked. That's fantastic. I wonder if he got it off the back of a truck somewhere. No, he was not that guy. No, Mike Mike was a above board honorable man. The most the most integrity. <laughs> Shout out to Mike Osborne. Um okay, anyway. So, like I said, I got the first season almost immediately as soon as I could play the DVDs. I loved it, but then I just never went back. I got distracted. There were, I was getting all these Japanese horror movies off Netflix and all this other stuff. I just never went back to The Sopranos. And I didn't have HBO until last summer. Now, I did get the robe before I started rewatching it. <laughs> I'm not that much of a douche, but yes, when I do put it on, sometimes I feel like I got to get some gabagool. Anyway, you know, I love the mob movies. I always have. And, you know, I always heard over the years, like, I got to go back to it. I got to go back to it. I know how it ends and I know how I know which characters, main characters die because it's been spoiled for me over the years. But. I knew I had to go back and watch it at some point. And I got to tell you, I love The Sopranos, which is not shocking because and almost anyone who appreciates good drama or good crime shows loves that show. But the reason I'm talking about it is because I am rewatching it. I'm to season four. It's fucking great, but it's for free right now. I do have a subscription to HBO now, but if you do not have a subscription to HBO now during all this pandemic shit, it seems like they are. All you have to do is download the app onto your smart TV or whatever, your phone. I don't know why you'd want to watch The Sopranos on your phone, but you can watch The Sopranos, The Wire. You can watch a lot of the older HBO originals for free. So no excuses, people. The Wire is flawless, too. So you should fucking get on that. Fucking do it. But yeah, um, as far as The Sopranos goes, if you're if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, if you, if you, if you just watched Ozark and you haven't watched The Sopranos, well, what are you doing? It's a perfect show. It's like a, a six-season Scorsese movie. Everyone knows Gandolfini was perfect. All the characters are great on there. The thing that I really dig about it is there is a ton of eating on the show, which drives Annie up the wall. She doesn't watch it with me. because she doesn't like people eating on TV? Well, she can't hear people chew. She goes ah. into, a, into an insane rage. She but, has misophonia. Yeah, she does. That's it. She looks it up. Yeah. She's gonna be stuck like, that you knew what that was. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's a, uh, it's, it's like a, um, like basically an irrational rage at like noises, especially <laughs> like chewing noises or like wet sounds. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anytime we're watching a show together and someone's eating, she just like Jesus fucking Christ. Uh huh. Is it in the DSM? I don't think it's. A, I can't remember if it's in the DSM, but it's definitely something that people. Uh, it, it's something that like it's a real thing. Like people have like irrational murderous rage over it. <laughs> There's a there's a misophonia self help group um, on Facebook. You can find it. Well, she doesn't do social media. 
it's 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 worth it's worth looking at the comments if you can find it and it's public it's worth looking at the comments because people like i swear to god if somebody crunches another chip in my ear i'm gonna i'm gonna bury a spear in their chest <laughs> she has a whole bit about movie theater foods where she's like you're you're making salty uh explosions with your dumb mouth and she talks about like you know, why don't we have soft foods in the movie theater, like mashed potatoes or, you know, a, a, a good uh, gumbo or something? Nothing that requires a smack or a slurp. Yeah, she calls the wrapping that you open, like like the crinkling paper, uh, like petrified dinosaur foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> that's, one of, that's, that's a good bit she does. All right, anyway. So... The Sopranos, I love it because it's not just about the mob. I, I know that's typical that I would like it, but it is about an Italian family and Italian families, one of which I grew up in. I only knew that half of my family. As I said before, the only thing that sucks is that I got the tail end of the Italian upbringing. They were all from Connecticut. They were all, you know, they lived in a three-story house with all three generations of the family. They made their own wine. They made their own pasta. Everyone spoke Italian, but then they moved down here in the 70s. Little by little, all the traditions went out the window. By the time I came along in 83, it was basically gone. My grandparents couldn't even speak Italian anymore. They just knew a few words that they still remembered. And I hear those words on The Sopranos a lot. When they say stunad, or when they talk about a gumad or the manigot. Like, I've heard yeah. those words growing up. But at any rate, it's a great show. I'm sure you know that it's free now, which is why I put it on the list. I like it. I've never seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's a commitment. It's about 12 episodes a season. There's six seasons, and season six is 21 episodes. Oh, so wow. It's, a, it's really about seven seasons, but they fly by. The only thing I'll say is if it was real life, and it is, people have said it's a pretty good real-life depiction, the only thing that doesn't mesh is that if a mob boss was actually going to a psychiatrist, he'd be in the trunk of his car along with the psychiatrist almost immediately. And they did take a shot at him in season one, but it wasn't really about that. And it doesn't really come up again that that's a huge problem, at least as far as I've gotten in the show. So anyway, The Sopranos, HBO Now, it's free, people. Get it. All right. I like it. My number two. I'm going to start. I don't know how to start this. There's so many things. So I'm going to start with a quote from the person that this involves. Okay. Okay. This quote is in response to the thing that they did. And the backlash they got for this thing, which is actually my number two. So this person writes or says, rise above others who try to take you down. I'm at my best now. That's pretty inspirational, right? Like, th that's like somebody saying, like, hater blockers. That's pretty much what he's saying. I mean, if I... Which I know that that just gave you a tumor. Yeah, if I heard somebody say that, I'd just blow my brains out in front of them. Yeah, so in January... An acoustic performance of a song called About a Girl was uploaded to the SiriusXM YouTube <laughs> channel. Okay? Yep. This was a cover, an acoustic cover, by a band called Puddle of Mud. If you're not familiar with Puddle of Mud, they had some hits sometime in the 2000s. Nobody really remembers. The singer, Wes Scantlin, had some stuff going on. He had some challenges. He had some problems. He's gotten clean. He's gotten sober. Good for him. More power to you. Anybody who can get clean sober, great. No matter if you're singing for a shitty Nickelback Jr. or not. <laughs> but 
they decided in January they were going to cover an acoustic version of About a Girl. And it is easily one of the worst covers I've ever heard in my life. So, my number two is the video of Puddle of Mud covering About a Girl that was removed from the SiriusXM website because it was so bad and got so much backlash that Sirius was like, nah, no thanks. We don't want this. <laughs> How do I describe this video? So, the song About a Girl is a great song. And the Nirvana's Unplugged version of it is one of the best... That Nirvana's Unplugged is one of the best live performances I've ever seen. It is a good like, record, yeah. It's a great record. It's a great listen. It's great to watch. You can see yeah. kind of the end. Like, you feel the end when you watch it. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer to watch, but it's, 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 it's a good... It's an important music history to watch. Now, <laughs> this version... Uh, has Wes Skintlin cracking all over the place. He can't carry a tune. I, nobody really knows what he's doing. And the best part of this video is not his voice because I'm not going to sit there and make fun of this guy who just whatever. Like apparently he can cover the song really well somewhere else. I don't give a shit. I don't really care about Puddle of Mud and I'm not going to give them any credit. But the best part of the video is watching the members of his band try not to laugh at him while he's doing this. <laughs> If you watch it, they're stifling laughs. The bass player is concerned the entire time. Nobody wants to be there. And they are very much there in it. And they're just trying to deal with it at this point in time. Like, they can't stop it. I mean, they should have. I would have been like, Mikey, you okay? If we were in a band and that happened. I don't know why they wouldn't have done that. He's doing, like, a really bad Kurt Cobain impression. You know, he's trying to sound like him, but he can't, you know? He can't. Nobody really can, but he definitely can't. Now, the best. So, so there's a couple things with this. So, first of all, that quote that I told you, rise above others who try to take you down, I'm at my best now, comes from him. And he writes further, the rest of that quote is, and that's all that matters. I pray for all of you because we care. Jealousy is toxic, and toxic people are a waste of time. We walk away with nothing but a smile. God. Like... Oh, so so my thing is this is like I just think that's funny to think that 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 like the people saying the things they're saying is because of jealousy. Like these are people with ears that work. And I, I can't imagine anybody is jealous of what that video was. Now, the other part of this too is the other day, not the other day, today. There's a parody of <laughs> Puddle Mud where somebody overdubbed it and is singing Reading Rainbow in that voice. Yeah. And it's fucking great. <laughs> Jesse, I sent it to Jesse and he said, dude, this is the best video I've ever seen in my life. Like that was his response. And I know that means that he probably blew a fuse somewhere. So yeah. Anyway, if you get a chance, you need to watch this video. You need to watch it for the fact that it's somebody put it out into the world as like a finished product and didn't say, Hey guys, we probably shouldn't release this. It's probably not usable footage. Like, the fact that it exists is kind of a thing. It reminds me, the parody especially reminds me of those old Creed parodies on YouTube where the guy would just, they would just, no drums, the guy would just play bad guitar chords and go, yeah, I'm going to take my glove off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I love it sounds like he's making fun of it. It's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like, I mean, I'm not even going to pretend to try to do it. You just have to watch because it is a train wreck. I'm going to, how about I pop in like five seconds of it? Yeah, please do. 
Number two, Puddle of Mud, covering about a girl, and also covering Reading Rainbow. <laughs> All right, that brings us to number one. Number one. So for my number one, uh, I, I, don't, I guess I guess it's not really a downer. Maybe some of the subject matter is. Okay. For my number one, I chose Ari Aster's short films. Okay. Ari Aster is a director who directed, he has two features to his name, and I've talked about them both on here, Hereditary and Midsummer. Yeah. Which I think are two of the best new horror movies in existence. I think mm-hmm. Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, they're doing things a little differently. Ari Aster is a little bit more of a gut punch, but Jordan Peele is doing different weird stuff too. And they both have two features currently at the time of this recording. And they're all four of those movies are fucking great. So to recap, Hereditary scarred the shit out of me. I rewatched yeah. it again the other day. Last 10 minutes is like this satanic fever dream. I could not get it out of my head. On third viewing, it wasn't as bad. Uh, Midsummer intense matt mentioned it the other uh last episode and once again last 10 minutes kind of obliterates you you know it's not as scary as hereditary i don't think there's one part where the main character she's like the cult because it it revolves around a cult i won't spoil everything they uh put her in this dress that's just made of flowers and she can't it covers everything but her face and like she can't move and she's sort of struggling to stand up and all the cultists are around her shrieking and screaming and I won't tell you why but there's just this moment where she's sort of lurching to stand up and this woman is just has this look of complete psychosis on her face as she's shrieking and it like I've seen the movie before I rewatched it the other day and when that little bit hit me I was just like oh it was like a physical reaction I had to it Ugh, I that's I'm already uncomfortable and I've never seen it. Most direct, I mean, all directors, I guess, they do short films before they get their shot at a feature. Ari Aster's no different. He has, like, I think it's six of them. I don't remember. I didn't count them all up. He has six short films, and the thing about them is they're all pretty high quality. They're all worth a watch if you like his work, and they're all on YouTube. There's a playlist. Just go on YouTube, say Ari Aster Short Films, A-R-I-A-S-T-E-R, Short Films, it'll pop up. And there's a whole playlist of them. So, Ari, I'm going to go through them real quick. I'm not going to spoil anything. Ari Aster, he's definitely known, if you couldn't tell, by the intensity of his subject matter. And, you know, some of these shorts are funny, some of them are gross, some are philosophical, and some are straight-up brain-breaking. So... His first one, and the first three happened in 2011. He did all three of these, or at least they all came out in in 2011. This is the one I mentioned before, but I don't think I mentioned it on the show. The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. It's the longest one at half an hour. Okay. Remember me telling you about this? I don't remember this one. So it was his student thesis. He went to AFI film school, 
And, oh, cool. Yeah. And, uh, I guess what he did was he and he and his crew, uh, they sat down and they said, what are some extremely taboo subjects we could do for a short film? Because AFI is kind of known for churning out Hollywood directors, you know, okay. that don't take chances. So what they came up with. This short is about a son who molests his own father from the time that he's 14 until he's in his mid 20s. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. And that makes me that's I don't like that. No, you're not supposed to like it. It's supposed to make you go. Ugh! But there's they don't show anything. It's it's not it's not like that type of a film. They don't show anything. It's hinted at. But it is disturbing. But considering why they made it, because they wanted to shove it in AFI's face, kind of punk. It's worth one watch. It's it's not as scarring as hereditary. I'll say that the subject matter is upsetting, but they don't show anything. Anyway, TDF Really Works is another one from 2011. It's basically some Adult Swim-looking shit. TDF stands for Tino's Dick Fart. Oh, okay. And it's kind of funny. 2011, also, there's a one called Bo. This one is where a man leaves his keys in his door, goes back upstairs to get something, comes back down, keys are gone, he descends slowly into madness. That's a, you. I remember you saying that one, too. That one sounds wild. Now, in 2013, he did Munchausen. And you got Bonnie Bedelia from Die Hard. She plays this mom who can't deal with her son going off to college, so she puts something in his food. We all know what Munchausen by proxy is. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming. I know you do, but um, there's no dialogue. But the way he made it, it's an upsetting movie, but he made it with this bright look and this soundtrack. And he, he said in an interview he wanted it to look like a Pixar film. Oh, God. But it looks like the beginning of Toy Story, honestly, with real people. But it is not Toy Story. <laughs> Nope, does not sound like it. Uh, 2014, he did Basically, and this is where he started getting into tableaus, and this is something he goes back to over the course of his career so far. You know, it's, it's like static scenes behind the actor who's addressing the camera or doing something. So this is just an aspiring actress, and she's in all these different scenes around this big you know, mansion she lives in. She comes from like a rich family, and she's talking to the camera about her life, but it's a lot deeper than you might think. 2014, The Turtle's Head. Richard Reel, that's the guy who played uh, Tom Smykowski in Office Space, the jump to conclusions Matt guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he plays his private eye, and he gets the case of a lifetime until his dick starts disappearing. <laughs> that one's kind of funny, too. <laughs> but the last one before he made Hereditary, and my favorite, is from 2016. It's called Say La Vie, and it's another one with t- with tableaus where the guy's in the foreground and there's just different stuff going on behind him. Um, It's a homeless guy walking around LA. And as he talks, you get the sense that he's very smart and it's very philosophical. And the things he says are very Carlin like, but he's obviously psychotic. And as it progresses, it's only about a 12 minute movie. The scenes get more and more fucked up. So he's addressing us while he's doing increasingly, darker and darker things and it's it's amazing i really liked it it's a great idea and it's it's just like when i see his movies it's like man i wish i was that smart i wish i was that good at anything i wish i could have made something like that that's what when i watch ari aster's work that's what i think and i mean i watched all his work last week just because i wanted to not just because of the list but i watched all the short films i rewatched hereditary rewatched midsummer 
I mean, this guy is just, his output is not a lot, but he's super impressive and he's extremely talented. And I honestly, I just cannot wait for whatever it is that he does next. He does things in like a way that no one else is doing them, but he's not pretentious about it. He's not like Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Like I like, I like Nicholas Reffin too, but you can tell that he just loves the smell of his own farts just by his movies. Like, like only God forgives is visually stunning, but at some point you're like, all right, let's, let's fucking get on with it. Come on, Nick, what are you doing? Yeah. Like this is masturbatory. Yeah. And his, he did a show, um, too old to die young where each episode's like an hour and a half long and there's like 13 episodes and it's just it requires so much of you as a viewer i couldn't make it through man i just couldn't do it hmm. anyway Ari Aster short films they're on youtube you should watch them especially if you liked hereditary in midsummer i'm on it all right, that's a good that's a good number one. I don't think it's a bummer. I think that's an appreciation of art, and I like that. Well, people, when they hear about the strange thing about the Johnsons, people get upset. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I'm upset right now, but I get it. Like, you know, that's that's just a uh, uh, pushing the envelope, but like in a smart way. Like, because yeah. like you know, there's people that are like just like hit you over the head and and lack the nuance but it sounds like this guy's got the nuance to kind of like make you uncomfortable and kind of shake you to your core like to me that's what like house of leaves is like yeah. house of leaves is like a project but when you like and then later you're like okay this guy's a little in his own ass about stuff but house of leaves it reads and it it requires of you but you are sucked in and it it, it affects you yeah definitely so. i haven't felt this affected by film in a long time as, as I have by his stuff. All right. I like it. Okay. So my number one is a book and I know that's nerdy and it's fine, but like, it's going to start off sounding pretentious, but it takes a really good turn and it's fucking awesome. So, um, Mikey, do you read any, have you ever read any Russian literature at all? No, I was Dostoevsky and stuff. Yeah. No, I never have. So, my experience with Russian literature is it's it's very somber, it's very serious, and everything feels gray um, and red. Like that's how it feels. <laughs> so uh, I was hesitant to pick up this book by this Russian author. Um, I was recommended by a friend, and um, I grabbed it, and it was a, actually got it as a graduation gift, which was cool. So it was a it's a book called The Master and Margarita. Have you ever heard of this? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's considered one of the greatest novels of the 20th century. Like, it's it's that good. It's it's spoken highly of in all these circles. And it's written by an author named Mikhail Bulgakov, okay, which I really had a hard time pronouncing that. It was, written, it was written between 1928 and 1940 during Stalin's regime. So, like, it was not one of those things where it got out, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah it was yeah. actually, the guy died, and he, it, it was not published until 1967. So it had been written for almost 30 years before it was published. Uh, and, and even when it was published, it needed some, like, final reworking to get out. But anyway, so Russian literature tends to be pretty somber. It tends to be very serious. Dostoevsky tends to get really philosoph like like philosophical, I guess, like, you know, Notes from Underground is, is really great. It's one of my favorites. Demons is a really great book, and it, like, really picks up towards the end where uh, it's about a, a murder. It's like a plot to murder a student um, at this university. Well, 
This book is nothing like that. This book is nothing like Russian literature, and it's insane. So, here's the premise. Chapter 1. It's, so, it's split into two books. The first book is kind of setting the occasion, and the second book is kind of the story of the Master and Margarita, who are two characters in the book. You don't get introduced to Margarita until the second book, which is like 200 pages in. And she's like a main character. Okay? Okay. So, here's how this book starts. These two writers are walking up by a pond, and they stumble upon a man who they call the Foreigner. And he's very strange, and he has a strange accent, and he's got a one black eye and one green eye. And he starts telling these stories about how he was alive when Jesus was executed, and how he knew Pontius Pilate uh, when all that was going on, and they think he's crazy. And then he predicts one of the writer's deaths. And then this man walks to the subway, and he trips, he slips on some sunflower oil, and falls under a tram where his head is cut off. That's chapter one. <laughs> okay. Sunflower so, oil. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. He slips on the turnstile. He hits the turnstile, slips on some oil, falls under a tram, gets gets decapitated. So it's like Looney Tunes with a bad ending. It's, yeah. The other writer goes insane. He starts chasing the foreigner. As he's chasing the foreigner, he's like kind of ducking and dodging and weaving. And then he starts following a cat that's walking on its hind legs. This cat's name is Behemoth. And it gets onto a, tra- a trolley and just pays the fare and just rides off. And so this guy fuck? goes insane and gets and gets and gets put into an insane asylum. Okay, this poet, his name's Homeless. <laughs> okay, Here, here's the real story. This foreigner that shows up is Satan. Satan arrives in Moscow and spends two days wreaking havoc. All over Moscow. He holds a seance at a theater and gets people up on stage to change out their clothes into these fancy clothes. And they walk out on the street and then with a snap, all their clothes disappear and they're all naked in the street and it's chaos. They burn down buildings. Oh my God. They they burn down buildings. They 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 there's a there's a couple murders. At one point in time, the head of the writer that was killed in the first chapter has his head stolen. And it's brought into it's brought to Satan's ball, which is uh, uh, this. It's in the fifth dimension. Like it gets so bizarre and weird. But basically, everybody's freaking out. They're freaking out because there's a talking cat. There's a guy that I'm pretty sure could be Paul Bettany, um, and they and, and and Satan and Satan is kind of occupied this 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 headless writer's apartment in Moscow and all this nefarious shit starts happening. And he starts making witches and he starts making vampires and just fucking it goes insane it's the it's it's so but you laugh because so much of it is absurd like they're freaking out about currency they're freaking out about money people are getting arrested about having american dollars you know it's this there's so many things there and it has this weird part where it kind of goes back and talks about the death of jesus and pontius um and kind of all the stuff that goes along with that but man it is it's like it's about 400 pages, about 396 pages altogether. But it was such a fun read; you can't help but just sit and absorb it because it's 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 very satirical. Um, it's very dark. It's very satirical. Like there's one point in time during the seance that um, the the announcer who's kind of like guiding the show is like, "All right, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough." And the cat, who is this sassy, sarcastic asshole named Behemoth, just rips his head off. And everybody thinks it's magic, but then he puts the head back on and the guy's like, ah, like he's freaking out and he gets put into the mental ward. So like everybody they come into contact with goes to to the institution. It's fucking awesome. It sounds like if it was made into a movie, they now they'd just call it Satan's Day Out. 
It really is like that. Like it he really... just misbehaving. So what's the the best part is like the, it gets to the point at the end of the book where like everybody's freaking out because all this bizarre shit is happening and they're trying to investigate it and just nobody can catch this guy. Nobody believes anybody. Like it's total chaos. Like the guy shows up and it's total chaos from the beginning to the end. And it's so well written. It's it's the language is beautiful. The story is really interesting. The descriptions are really great. Like to me, he reminds me of. Um, have you ever read anything by Tom Robbins? Yeah, I've read Tom Robbins before. Yeah, I love Tom Robbins too. And it's like bizarre, and he uses weird language around it. And this is kind of the same thing, but like from 1940, not from you know the 90s or the 80s. Yeah. So if you like Tom Robbins and you like that stuff that's kind of like over the top and satirical and kind of dramatic. But involves Satan in Moscow. It's a great book. So it's called Master of Margarita. Um, and it's literally one of my favorite. I'm not joking when I say it's one of my favorite books that I've ever read. It's actually on my like coveted bookshelf along with uh, books like House of Leaves and Slaughterhouse-Five and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. It made the list. Sounds cool. Sounds like no other Russian literature I've ever heard of. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, me neither. So do you want to go over the lists? Let's do the countdown. Alright, coming in at number five. Lemon curd. Fuck jelly, you homeless bag of shit. (laughs) Number four. Fortnite. Don't be a bush camper. You might get double pumped, you bot. Number three. Old jackass CKY video. And especially, we want fun with Andrew WK. No snarky comment, just the most uplifting video on YouTube. Number two, The Sopranos. You got your gabagool and my man are gone. And number one, Ari Aster's short films. For such a critically respected auteur, there's a lot more dick horror than you would think. <laughs> Good list, man. I like that. All right, number five, Slippers. Middle-aged Shane is here and he is tired. Number four, Limbic System, Shutter Release. Listen to it because Mikey hates it. Number three, Wireless Headphones. I'm a peacock, you gotta let me fly. <laughs> Number two, Puddle of Mud about a girl. I need a email. <laughs> and number one, The Master and Margarita. Go to a seance, leave without your clothes, and leave with a diagnosis. That was a good episode. Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun one. We have a date. By the time this episode comes out, our books will be on my doorstep, and we're going to do an envelope packing party, and those will be shipped out, which is awesome. So excited about that. We are really, really stoked about it. So um, we are – I think that's all for the books. I mean, we are – I know you're working on the zine. Now that we have a publisher for the zine. Like I've said a bunch of times, the zine's been done. I just can't find anywhere to print it right now. Um, Most of the places – uh, like FedEx and Kinkos and stuff around here, you can't actually go in. I guess it's just for you know mail delivery and stuff. So I've been pricing, doing it online. Um, the place that we use for our books doesn't seem like it's going to work with this. So I want so badly to print it and get it to everybody, and you will get it. I don't care how late it is, but you will get it, uh, all our patrons. And if anyone wants to buy a copy, there's some good stuff in there. I think you'll like it. So we will keep you updated on the paper book. Soon. Very, soon, very, very soon. Very soon. I'm, we're, I'm working it out now. With that being said, shout out the patrons. Patrons. 
Mike Osborne, Sam Parnum, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, and Matthew Fisher. Thank you all for your undying loyalty to the podcast. And thanks for my first DVD player, Mike. Yeah, that too. And uh, just thank you all for being just kind It was a very people. big DVD player. <laughs> was it a DVD uh, tape player combination? Yeah, just a DVD player. It was, it was back in the day, man. It was new technology. I was on the cutting edge. Because of Mike Osborne. That's, and now here we are. You love movies. It's his fault. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to find us on social media, find us on I Don't Want to Hear a Podcast on Instagram. Find us on IDWHI Podcast on Twitter. Find us on Facebook at I Don't Want to Hear a Podcast. Email us at allpunksvstheworld. Or you can email us through the new uh, WND Press website, which is WNDPress.com. You can email us through the contact form there or wndpress at gmail.com because we're at both of those places now. There's plenty of places to contact us. Yep, and on the website, I don't want to hear it, podcast.com, click the link came from the beach to listen to all our old bullshit. Analog Boys is not going to happen anymore. I'm just going to start putting any links that I want to share going in the show notes. Just easier that way. We got manuscripts we're looking at. We're editing episodes, writing notes. There's, I'm not doing another fucking stupid website that four people are going to look at what is this 2004 nobody blogs (laughs) yeah we don't we don't do that shit here we publish books but i will try to include um more links in the show notes of the bands we talk about and if we talked about a video or something like that just just it'll just be easier that way i don't know why i wasn't doing that before i guess i just wanted it to be a surprise but i don't think it matters (laughs) yeah no i think uh i think this will be more time uh like a good it'll be good for your time management yeah well all right that's gonna do it for us this week and we'll be back next week with yet another episode so until then annihilate this week and good night taco bell joe wherever you are hope you're home buddy stay at home buddy don't go out buddy stay home buddy (laughs) he's sitting at his front window (laughs) he's got it cracked open people walking by on the sidewalk great order buddy what'd you say great order it's the best order ever, pal. See, to me, that's funny, and I'm sure it would make him happy, but that also sounds sad. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's at work and he's wearing a mask and he's going, Good order, buddy. <laughs> that's, a, that's, the, that's the best contract to be ever, buddy. Yeah, I like that. All right, bye now. Bye. <laughs>